We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Race attack, watch out. Burst of speed. Look at this freshman. Welcome to the home of professional football. Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College Decanton Podcast, the perfect show for any and every single one of you college football and NFL fans. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M if you like talking college football or NFL or fantasy football or just, you know, other other fun nerdy things too. I, I, we've talked about them on the show, but I'm also joined again by my co-host, Stefan Leco. You can find him on Twitter at StayFunLeco, that's L-A-K-O on Twitter. If you want to chat us up there, feel free. We love talking about prospects, uh, the journey of all these good prospects from beginning to end, from high school football recruits, all the way to the debate as to whether a player or two should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's what this whole show is about. It's about the journey uh, of all the best football players in the world. But we always talk about some fantasy football, too, since this is a Rotoviz radio podcast, and uh, we make sure to dive into some real football stuff, too, maybe some betting, maybe some other things, too. Just We like to make, mix it up. Everything football here on this show you probably hear about uh from time to time but uh we i, I think there's this game coming up around the corner here very soon uh so Stefan and i wanted to talk about the national championship so this is kind of like the national championship special with some questions on some nfl draft prospects that are going to be playing in the game some other general draft questions that i've been getting here in the last couple weeks and then a few player trends that i've been seeing uh, and I've actually been taking some poll data on to help gauge public opinion on some of the top players in the country right now that are draft eligible for 2022, which is actually this year now, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 2022. But first off, welcome, Stefan. How you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, if people have listened to the other podcasts that I do for Rotoviz, you'll have heard this already. But pretty rough week out here in Colorado. We had some big fires that uh, ended up like destroying 
like over 800 homes and stuff. It's, it was really sad. It happened last week. Um, if you are the type of person that likes to give to uh, relief efforts, it would be much appreciated. Um, but it's kind of made everything weird. Like my building that I work in um, was in like the evacuation zone and stuff. It was intense. So, um, but uh, one of the things I love about sports is it gives us an opportunity to kind of shift our energy, shift our focus, be distracted for a little while, get, yes. get, get excited about stuff that uh, we have absolutely no control over, but sure as hell wish we did. So yeah, I love talking football with you, man. It's good to be uh, good to be here. And I can't, I can't believe it's already a national championship game. I feel like this football season flew by. It really did. And I don't know if the 2020 season didn't feel like it flew by as much. And I don't know how, because some of the seasons, like some of the teams were playing like four or five, six games. And that was like it. Right. But I think it was just like the whole layered and delayed thing. Like it was like, hey, we're not going to have any football. And hey, actually, the Big Ten and ICC were like, no, we make too much money. So <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, this is not we can't not play. And then, you know, the Big Ten starts later. The Mac starts later. The and, and yes, the Mac comes, comes ahead of the Pac-12. Pac-12 starts later. <laughs> and, I don't know uh, if the Pac-12 know. got the memo that they were actually continue needing to continue to play. Did you see their bowl yeah. record this year? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, apparently they, they forgot to actually show up for the whole 2021 season for, oh, for the most geez. part. Uh, they, they started off hot, though. Oregon beat Ohio State somehow uh, and oh, then man. got that just feels like counted forever, by though. Utah twice. And Utah acted like they were going to be Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, which was an incredible game. And then remembered that, oh, yeah, we're Utah. And uh, mm -hmm. we're playing against a future top five pick in C.J. Stroud, as well as a ridiculously stacked wide receiver room that didn't even need their top two players. The second and third best players, according to those players. Which, by the way, I, were you watching the game, where the, the actual Rose Bowl, Stefan, where yeah. uh, I think Herb Street was talking about uh, you know, he, his piece that he did on Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And uh, he was just asking him, so, you know, which one of you is the best? And uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were like pointing right at Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba. It's like this guy, like we're going to have great careers. We're good. Like they're first round picks, but yeah. this guy's different. And boy, uh, he dropped, you know, about a bajillion yards. I think over 300 in the Rose Bowl has all the single game records uh, and like single season records for receiving yards, receptions for Ohio State. Like, it's it's nuts. Roseville records. That guy, man, like, he's not even draft eligible. But before we hop into, like, this year's national championship talk, that was the most ridiculous game on the entire slate of bowls, like, out of all yeah. 40 games or whatever. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's like, so fun. If you were going to rank Jackson Smith at Jigba in this class of wide receivers, if he was eligible this mm. year, where would you take him? That's really hard. Um <laughs> I mean, he's going top three. I think so, too. I think, honestly, I, would he go ahead of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in the real draft? I don't know. Like, that's what's tricky. It's like Garrett Wilson, we've talked about this. He's my number one. Um, and if he's sitting here pointing at this dude being like, no, he's better than me. He's they're better like, than oh, me, guys. Like, I've been in the room with him for two years. Like, this guy is better than me. Especially, like, coming from wide receivers who they're always like, no, no, this dude's good, but I'm the best. You know, like, that's yeah. the wide receiver's mentality. Yeah, and the, then the two of the guys deferring. who are older. Yeah. Like, no, no, this kid right here, ridiculous. And, yeah. Uh, yeah I take bad. him right after Drake London. How about that? Okay. Fair enough. Okay. We'll 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 not give away everything that we're going to talk about on the show later on. But let's let's dive in because I know a lot of people are talking about the national championship this week. Um, and you know maybe by the time you listen to this, it's going to be after the championship. But 
there are going to be some things that I think we can really talk about just implied outcomes and some possibilities with these player stocks that will outlast the, you know, short-term listen, listenership or listenability of, of this particular episode, because right. when it comes to the top players, this, this game, I think could be very impactful for draft stocks down the stretch. I mean, you talked about it with Ryan Robinson uh, up top with Alabama, the running back. And he's a great story, by the way, you know, literally from Tuscaloosa. Yeah. He goes to Alabama, yeah. four-star guy. Like he could have gone somewhere else and started, but instead he waits five Forever. years to get his, like, to get his first shot. And when, and when you're at, when you're running back at Alabama and you just because you've been there for three years, doesn't mean you're going to get the job. Like they're no, recruiting the top running backs in the country there's no guarantees. Yeah. And he was ahead of a former number one overall running back in his class in Trey Sanders this year. He was ahead of the number one or two or whatever. I think it was two or three running back in this freshman year class. Part of it was Kamar Wheaton came in and actually uh, wasn't always healthy, but he's, he was ahead of two five-star running backs. Right. And uh, really, honestly, even before Jason McClellan went down, he was already slated to be ahead of, ahead of him too in the pecking order like they wouldn't have had as dominant a year because mcclellan would have taken more touches but he was going ahead of him too so brian robinson blows up against michigan um and michigan just gets trounced in the semifinal round uh to the surprise of probably not too many people uh you know even though line was just over a touchdown i think where it landed like seven and a half or so yeah uh, but you know he, he just absolutely dominated like you said was very possible and I think that there are some people that are going to overreact to that performance. And if he does something like that again against an even better defense, like there's no way he's not getting day two capital. Right. And I expect that to happen. Actually, uh, we did our episode a couple of weeks ago with like the, the boom players, the bull boomers or whatever. I forget exactly what we titled it, yes. but um, yeah, Brian Robinson, I think is like, he's halfway there. He had his big game. Uh, I think his rushing prop yeah. right now is at 65 yards. I expect him to go over that. I, I think he's going to have a good game. I I think he's going to get a touchdown. I think he's going to get about 80 to 110 yards. And I know that's a pretty wide range, but it's a very good outcome, regardless of what part of that scale he hits. Um, I, I think he's going to smash, and I think people will uh, reach for him because he's an Alabama running back. He's just been producing in, in games that everyone's watching, and – I think it's going to make a big difference yeah. for him. Um, I fully expect him to uh, to climb quite a bit. Well, yeah, think about what, what happened to Trey Sermon last year. And all he did was, right. I mean, he had a strong finish uh, even before the, the playoff season. And then he had that crazy explosion in the semifinal. And even though he was hurt in like the, what, the first play of the actual final, like he had already done enough that he was like, well, guys, I guess I'm going to be a, a day two pick it, even, even though my entire resume is pretty trash. Uh, and mm-hmm. so uh, outside of like one month. Uh, so, and, and that's really what Brian Robinson has been. Like he was an okay backup last year and this year he looked pretty good, but he still wasn't really efficient all season long. Um, and part of why we think, you know, you know, this year's Alabama roster isn't as elite as it is is we look at the top tier playmakers and we go, oh, you know, they're not really the household names like they have been. Like even Jamison Williams, like was a nobody until this year. Right. And so, I mean, he was a top 100 recruit, but he sat and did absolutely nothing at Ohio State and then transferred to Alabama. And I was skeptical. I was like, what are you doing? 
like go transfer somewhere else where you're assured immediate playing time. And he apparently uh, was. <laughs> he didn't because yeah. <laughs> uh, just a little bit though, uh, you know, just absolutely went off and could be the first wide receiver taken in next year's draft. Speaking of Jamison Williams, dude got shut down for the most part against okay. Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. I wanted to talk to you about that because um, you, we were texting during the game and you, and you said that. And I was wondering if he was shut down or if they just asked Jamison um, to play the John Mechie role and kind of become their possession receiver, which I think is a poor decision. I'd rather see him bombing it down the field. So I was wondering, do you think it was a change in scheme for, for, for Alabama? Or do you think... Um, that they they took his lunch money, as Wispay would say. I think that is his favorite expression. I think if you look at the 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 game script, like what happened on the first couple drives and what they were doing, um, and I don't know if you got a chance to like look at the all twenty two or anything, but it looked like early on, you know, Georgia actually came out and what had a lead. What what, what was the lead? Like ten zero or something? Like they were doing really well, like early on in the game. Um, was it ten zero? I can't even remember. Man, I don't even remember. I don't remember what happened in the uh, in the sugar bowl. Like two days ago? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, so, no, just kidding. It was, no, I was, I was thinking of a different game. Anyway, now I'm thinking of an SEC championship game. That's what it is. But, so, Alabama, uh, so, yeah, so, Alabama did take a lead, but they didn't dominate on through the air. They, like, dominated on the ground. They had Brian Robinson have, like, a billion carries on, on the first drive or whatever. Uh, but even in when they did try to pass, uh, I think what they realized very quickly is that, hey, Cincinnati decided Jamison Williams is not going to be the guy to beat us. Um, and even when he would be in close coverage with Kobe Bryant or Sauce Gardner, uh, he would have no room whatsoever. A couple of passes defended, a couple just miscues early on in the game, and then he was just taking like short curls and like short crossers or whatever he could just get his hands on. Just try to try to sit down and if they're in zone, just sit there, like just you know, and, and nothing over the top. He had six catches or whatever. He had probably nine, ten targets, but uh, you know, he didn't really amass amass much production. Didn't have to, but even when the game was still close and they were still passing quite a bit, uh, he was pretty much locked down and had what eight point nine yards for reception or something crazy. So um I think Georgia Maybe they don't even have as – honestly, they probably don't have as good of corners outside of maybe Darian Kendrick as Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. But if they really choose to bracket Jameson Williams, uh, I wonder how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jameson Williams is good enough that if they utilize him – and I think Bryce Young is good enough that if they utilize him like they did um, – in the SEC championship game, I think he's still going to have a, I don't think he's going to put up those same numbers that he did then. And I think that's the game you were thinking about where yeah. uh, Georgia came out to that 10, <clears throat> that 10 up and yeah. Um, and then they lead. just so, completely yeah. changed and bonded out. You know, Jameson Williams had that really ridiculously impressive yak reception over the middle, yeah. outrun, outrun the whole defense. Yeah. That was a different game. But like this again, like if they choose to truly racket him and just say, this is not how you're going to win is Brian Robinson going to be enough? And because they, will they win the trenches enough if they really shift and do silence uh, Jameson Williams? But the thing is, if Jameson, could Jameson Williams hurt his stock, I guess, at this point? Because he's been climbing through the roof. The, right. the implication is, you know, he's a first rounder that there's just no debate at this point. But if, no, we, I, if he has two games in a row where he's like 8.9 yards per reception, yes, he grabbed seven balls, but 
okay, whatever. And then they lose the national championship game, and he only has like five catches for 60 yards and no touchdowns. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I think in that instance, uh, more blame will be put on the offensive line allowing too much pressure against Bryce Young because I think that's why it would happen. Um, and maybe that's not actually what you said because you said that they shut, like if they shut him down as opposed to, um, I just don't think anyone can shut him down on Georgia's defense. Um, and if Bryce Young has time, he'll find him. Uh, unless yeah. they do try to change his role on the team and make him more like, hey, we just want to get you the ball and we'll figure it out. But hopefully they're doing that in creative ways. And I think they will. Uh, I think we'll see them try to get him in open space. Because like you said, not only is he a great downfield receiver, but he is great after the catch as well. So uh, even just trying to get him with some some wide receiver screens or you know some of those tricky RPOs that they do that uh, you know the, the linemen are blocking seven yards down the field. Yes, exactly. Uh, we'll see because that, that'll be interesting. And, I, and for uh, solid verbal, I always do a weekly stats column for for them. Uh, you know, you guys may have heard the, of the podcast, but they just have well, they have a few websites. But on solidverbal.com, they have three weekly articles. One of them is mine, and I was outlining how many snaps the Alabama uh, offensive line is going to be missing. Like they're going to be missing uh, over twenty five hundred starter snaps uh, from this year. Like they've replaced their center. And he's kind of held down the job, but the right yeah. guard and right tackle also might be out. And if that's the case, uh, things are going to get tricky on that side of the offensive line. So that might completely change the game. Like they already brought the pressure last time they played. Bryce Young just wiggled out of everything and just made right. some ridiculous magic plays because, well, he's he's Bryce Young. But if that doesn't happen, um, and I, I don't know, I, I don't think it could really hurt his stock too much. But I think there will be some people that, that are overreacting because people majorly overreacted just this past week to uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Like, you, whoa, man, he got shipped and shut down. Like, I mean, is he really draft the top people? player? Are you thinking no, draft people? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have not been on Twitter this last week. So I don't yeah. know where the draft – I don't know where the Twitter uh, community is right now. But uh, they are – I should maybe say we are – a tad dramatic at times. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that, that that is the wrong conclusion to draw because I think right. if a team just decides, hey, there are tons of other problems going on with your your roster, and we're just going to shut you down. Like the offensive line, half of it's gone. It's the Bill. It's the Bill Belichick Mitchie's out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we're you just, just take away your best player. Away. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to change the stock. I just want to ask because I know no, that some I, yeah. people will overreact. Right, but. Uh, you know, other guys that couldn't improve their stock. I don't even know if Bryce Young can even help his stock any further. Like, I, he's basically already already at the ceiling. Like, he just won the Heisman. Like, he is assumed to be the best quarterback in all of college football already. Like, he is pretty much slated and assumed he's going to be the number one pick or number two pick or whatever after Will Anderson, of course, on his own team. The best edge rusher, best defensor, best defensive player, but maybe the best player in all of college sports, Will Anderson. Like he might go after him, but like it's assumed. Like can he, can his stock go any higher? <laughs> well, I, I it kind of reminds me of like Trevor Lawrence busting out on the scene and getting, you know, he pretty much getting the the helium balloon to the roof uh, treatment. And yeah. even though he continued to produce really really well and he had an amazing collegiate career. Um, people, when he declared for the NFL draft, like, man, if you look back, like, 
won national championship. Like, like it, it, everyone seemed a little underwhelmed by him, you know, but he still went number one overall. I yeah. think Bryce Young could have a similar situation happen where, you know, it's he can't go any higher, but he's going to have been he's going to have gotten so high that uh, even falling might still land him as a top three overall pick, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I, that's where I feel like he's just going to coast at this point. He's got the Heisman. If he wins the national championship this year, I think it's just going to be assumed. People are just going to kind of already pencil in yeah. his name, top five, whatever. Um, but yeah, and defensive players, though, I mean, they normally have three, four or five first rounders. I don't know if they have that this year. But uh, with a couple of strong performances, I think Christian Harris, uh, Henry To'o, To'o uh, Jordan Battle, all three of those guys could very well be early, early, early picks this year. But uh, it's not as stacked as it usually is. I think that's why we're a little bit more suspect and maybe think that Georgia could have a chance. And if they do have a chance, like I think Brock Bowers is going to have to get his again, just like he did last game. Uh, had like 100, almost 140 yards receiving, I think, last game uh, in the SEC championship game uh, when they faced off. But James Cook, man. Uh, wait, wait, before you move on from Brock Bowers, I just yes. remember, I just remember the preseason when we were like talking about Eric Gilbert uh, going to yeah. be like crushing at tight end mm-hmm. for Georgia. What do you think the lines would have have to be, have been for you to say that Brock Bauer was it like plus ten thousand that Brock Bowers over Eric Gilbert? Like, what a what a rise for this guy! Like, uh, not not someone any of us were talking about. Um, no, I mean and, when you have- now look at him two other five-star tight ends on your own team. Like, cause we don't even, when we're not even talking about Darnell Washington anymore, like right. he's a five-star tight end. Eric Gilbert transfers over from LSU to play. And obviously he's, I don't know what's going on with him. I wish him the best. I hope he um, can come back and play eventually, but right now he's probably it's looking like he's just not, but uh, you know, he was the greatest tight end ever, according to 27 sports, like the highest <laughs> right. rated tight end prospect of all time. And so, yeah, I mean, we didn't see Brock Bowers coming because even though Brock Bowers was a top 110, 125 consensus type recruit in his class, and that's pretty much the cusp. I think I talked about this recently on on the podcast on on another show. That's like the cusp of like where you see tight ends start to have a really higher hit rate versus Mm -hmm. other position groups. Like when they get inside the top like 125-ish, especially like five-star tight ends, he was right on the edge there. But, you know, yeah, there's no reason that we would assume – he was just going to slide in and, and do what he's done. But he's automatically like a top two, three tight end in the country at this point. And uh, Alabama couldn't shut them down, shut them down last time. And I don't expect them to be able to shut him down this time. Maybe if they designate two defenders to him, they'll be able to do so. But I think that would be an error because there are good pass catchers on Georgia. Um, you know, George Pickens is looking more and more like himself. Uh, Lad McConkey and Jermaine Burton and Adonai Mitchell. Adonai Mitchell, I think, maybe even has more sta- like snaps, I think, than any other wide receiver for Georgia on the year. Like, and he's a true freshman. They, they've got some young, talented wide receivers. And some people think James Cook and Zamir White are both somehow going to get early round draft capital. So, tons of skill like skill players that uh, we should be excited about, or at least some people are telling us we should be excited about. But on Georgia, like, if you had to, outside of George Pickens, because feel like you and I both and most people who have been talking about this player and George Pickens uh, breaking out as a true freshman with, with a 30% dominator rating two years ago, like we, we kind of assume he's going to be a top 50, 60 pick in the draft. But beyond, outside of that group, like who are you most excited about their NFL future for? 
I mean, outside of, and we can't say Brock Bowers. Yeah, no, no, no Bowers. But like, yeah, who's gonna I have mean, to step up? Because they they have to have somebody else step up. James and, Cook is, is the name I look to, and I think it will be in the passing game. Uh, if if because because Stetson Bennett needs to get um, getting control of this game early and and be able to manage this game, um, and he can't do that if they fall behind. Uh, Georgia can't play with Alabama in that scenario. So I think getting James Cook involved in the run game, whether it's screen passes or, or you know, having Brock Bowers run up the seam and, and having James Cook run those little wheel routes behind him on the sideline, um, you know, I think that's something that they'll have to, to look to. So to me, uh, a lot of the success will come from, from, you know, the running back out of the backfield, which, you know, is typically James Cook in that scenario. Uh, I like Zeus too, though. I mean, Zeus is a guy I was super high on uh, two years ago. Um, I drafted him everywhere. And even this off season, I was one of the high guys on him just because I thought he could bounce back. Um, it's not been, you know, as, as amazing as I'd hoped, but his name's back on the radar again. And um, I think, you know, the, the, those running backs, I think are probably the most important, um, probably even more so than Stetson Bennett. Um, Cause I think if, if you're relying on Stetson Bennett to win this game, you're, you've already lost. Um, relying on these running backs, I think might be different. Might might actually make a difference. Yeah, and and Bennett, I mean, he can add some value with his legs. I'm not sure he's going to scamper yeah. much against uh, Alabama's defense. I I did uh, recommend was, on the other pod uh, taking the over 13 and a half uh, rush yard prop. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. For Stetson Bennett. Exactly. If it was JT Daniels, it would be uh, uh, negative 13.5 probably. That's, <laughs> That's where right. you'd have to set the line. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, he's been efficient, but. I don't think he has an NFL future. I don't think he's got those traits. I don't think he can really like, and he hasn't really displayed at all that he can just air it out 30, 40 times a game and, uh, you know, lead his team to victory when you have to be throwing. So I hope that's not the case, but to James cook to, to your point with him, like he's interesting because he's super small. Like, I think he's still under 200 pounds. Um, I don't think he's as fast as his brother. I don't think he's as good in any respect as his brother, Dal- Dalvin cook. Uh, but he's good enough to be a great college player. But I, I'm not really sure where he gets drafted. But if he has another good game where he, you know, only has six, maybe maybe has six to eight carries for forty something rushing yards, but he makes the big play as a receiver again. Uh, we've seen him do a couple times in a few different games this year, and he ends up with over 100 yards from scrimmage and uh, a really important touchdown. I think he's probably going to get talked up into day two conversation. Like I, I, I didn't have him there. Uh, no, until, I didn't until basically the Michigan game. And then I saw a bunch of people talking him up like, oh, yeah, and this is Delvin's brother. And they're just finding this out, by the way. And Dude, this is why when we do what and I make jokes about doing this. But this is why when we do our C2C drafts and stuff, I always pick the random little brother. Yeah. Random, <laughs> no, legacy. random legacy, because even if he does, if he does anything at all, like there's going to be some window yeah. of time where people are like, oh, yeah, he's going to be, you know, he's related to so and so. And uh, yeah. It's just funny. It's a little yeah, bump. It's, yeah, it's, it is. it's a sibling bump. It really is. I don't think Cook or White are, are going to be long-term, like really solid NFL players. Like we saw Alvin Kamara uh, produce minimally uh, at, at UT, and then he uh, got day two capital anyway and turned out to be one of the best backs we've ever seen. Uh, but James Cook is like a full 20-plus pounds lighter. <laughs> he's a he's he's a different kind of player. He's not as good. He's I know he's going to get comped probably to his own, his own brother and to players like Kamara who can catch passes. Um, but I just don't see him as that player. 
Uh, but you know, maybe maybe he'll get amped up though after this game. If if it is that Georgia wins, then it's partially because of him that could happen. But it's just crazy looking at like this the number of four and five stars up and down this roster. Even uh, you know they're miss both teams are missing players, and it doesn't right. matter. Yeah. Like it's just like one goes down, and both of these teams, the number one and number three recruiting teams in the college football playoff era. Like Alabama is in the college football playoff era has had 46 five stars that they brought in 158 four stars, Georgia. That's, so, that's insane. I mean, that's a silly number. That's a crazy number. And Georgia 35, five stars, 149, four stars. Like there are only like 12 or 13 schools in the nation outside of these two teams that have in the same span, even 100 four stars. And both of these teams have 149 at least. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's, it's insane. The talent gap is just incredible. And, and bravo to Cincinnati for making it to the playoff. Like, that was a great story. I wanted them to win. But uh, they never had a chance, and it was evident. And it is the, the, it's great we have the best two teams that made it. I, I know that a lot of people are probably tired of the SEC dominating, but they have five of the top six best recruiting teams in uh, what in the, the college football playoff era. And after this year's class, Texas A&M will move up into the top six or seven as well. So they'll actually have six of the top seven recruiting schools. Yeah, insane. In, it's in, just insane. In and so, like, when that's happening, you're going to have the SEC making it to the playoff every year. Like, whether it's LSU or, or uh, somebody else is going to make it to the playoff, even if it's not Alabama or Georgia. So... But anyway, I, 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 we should probably move on. <laughs> but anyway, on, on the other side, I, I am going to talk about some questions that I've been getting on draft season on this 2022 class. We just had a mock draft uh, on the last show, but even since then, I've had questions on that show. Um, and so I want to get to those uh, on the other side, but we'll, we'll do that before we talk about some player values and, and consensus top prospects, according to you, the listeners. But first, a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so even since I've done, I mentioned this, we, we did the Wait, 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 wait. Hang what? on, hang on. Before you jump into questions, I want to get your official pick on official the game. Pick? Your official oh. pick on the natty. Okay. Um, well, give me the so, lines. You you so have memorized. It's <laughs> minus three, Georgia. Um, obviously plus three Bama at like minus one ten. Um, you can take Bama on the money line. It's about one thirty five. Over under is set at fifty two and a half. I think common sense would just say, hey, look, Alabama is Alabama, and they won the last game, and they still have Will Anderson, who is the best player on the defensive side. They still have Bryce Young who's the best player on the offensive side. They still have a first-round wide receiver and Jamison Williams. They are, they're going to have some offensive line issues, but um, we've already seen this happen once. It is tough to beat the same team twice, and I want to lean Georgia. My heart pick is Georgia, plus whatever points. I hope they blow them out. But my, my mind says that you can't bet against Nick Saban, uh, who will, after this, have half of the championships won in the playoff era. <laughs> oh, that's uh, so that's just, that's just silly. Um, so yeah, I think both rosters are stacked. I just don't think anyone in the secondary for Georgia, the front seven or six or seven, whatever is incredible. I don't think they have an answer. Like we, we were talking about earlier. I, I don't think Jamison Williams actually gets shut down. Like I just, he's going to bust one or two right. and it's going to be the dagger that does it. Oh, and Brian Robinson will just grind out whatever he needs it's not going to be a, a pretty performance for him, but he's going to do enough. And Bryce Young will elude all the pressure. They, I think they even had more than a dozen pressures last game. And mm-hmm. it just didn't matter. Like, he just still it made plays. Down. Yeah. And so it doesn't – yeah, I, I just can't bet against Alabama. So you're taking Bama plus it, three or Bama money line? Giving, uh, both. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll sprinkle that money line. I'll sprinkle I, that money I'm, line. Also, I'm also taking uh, – yeah, I didn't tell you this one, but I also want – uh, the over on Alabama's team total, which is like at 24 and a half. Uh, so I oh, yeah. already bet oh, that. Yeah, smash that over. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm taking Bama money line, actually. Um, I don't need those three points. I'm pretty yeah. confident. I was I was flirting with the idea of going uh, Bama minus six on an alt line and getting like that plus 255. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I'll sprinkle that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. And I'm taking the over 52 because I don't think any of these games between the, these two teams have finished with less than 60 in a long time. So um, no, if you need to beat Alabama, you need like 35 anyway. So right. they're going to be swinging for cool. defenses. Now, now let's move be. on to some of the questions that you've been getting. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, and, and this is, so even since our last show, I, I, I had multiple questions and I kind of, narrowed it down into one question because like a lot of them had to do with like it basically was are there any elite quarterbacks in this class because the way we were talking about some of the quarterbacks in the class it implied that you know we had questions like Matt Wispay I think said that a few of them were just straight up bad you know <laughs> like especially right, like Desmond right. Ritter like who didn't look great uh playing against Alabama in the semifinals 
And Kenny Pickett, he might might be you know the guy that goes early, but he has some questions uh, in, in terms of like being a one year wonder. Matt Corral is injured. Like, how serious is that injury? Um, probably not that bad. I'm not 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 you know I'm not knocking him at all. But my answer, if if there's like any elite quarterback in this class, I think it's I think it's no. Like I I think it's no because and it's not that the rookies that have made it to the NFL this year have just smashed, but like profile wise, like Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, like this class has the potential to be the next, whatever it was, 2004, you know, that brought in Eli Manning and uh, Philip Rivers and Big Ben all together. Like it could be that kind of class or, you know, yeah, it's hard absolutely. to say better, but, you know, eventually maybe uh, just in that, in that category. And, and I don't see that with this group. This is one of the worst groups, even though there might be four or five or six that get drafted on the top 60 picks. Um, I don't think that there are. Uh, I got really love the upside of a lot of these guys, um, and the profiles are almost good enough. Sam Howell would be my bet to be the safest play. He's got two back-to-back years of really good pass efficiency, even though he had a couple bad games this year, uh, and incredible rushing upside. Matt Corral, uh, he's my quarterback one still. I think that that should be the quarterback one for everyone, but I wouldn't say that he's a lead either. So mm-hmm, I'm not sure right. he's even going to have one – season over like 91st percentile ish, you know, a pass efficiency. So I don't know. Uh, where I agree with, with you. Quarterbacks? I, I agree with you. Um, I'm a little lower on Sam Howell than most people already. Um, Kenny Pickett. I love the story and I think it's fun because it's someone that I was jokingly talking about three years ago, but I was jokingly talking about, him. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. you know, like even, uh, even so, two years ago, like even last yeah. year, I think. Yeah, like, like it was a joke. Spring, like, oh, Kenny Pickett's the man. You can't bet. Think, don't bet against Pitt because of Pickett. Was, like, oh man. was it was it uh, C three or uh, I don't know what league, league it was. It, I think I even jokingly sent you a message. I took Kenny Pickett with the last right. pick in round forty five of right. a college of Canton league, <laughs> and that's what that's where he was. How did, like he how was, did that how did that end up for you? By the way, that was amazing because I had I Kenny know. Pickett and <laughs> Bailey Zappi on the same <laughs> freaking team. Uh, and yes, oh. I won that championship. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I think that was I think that was Ocho, uh, but I think uh, West Bay's in that league with me. Um, but yeah, that worked out great. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, so yeah, yeah, that was. But yeah, I don't think there are any elite quarterbacks. I love Matt Corral um, and what he's done, and and I think he's super fun. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to translate to being elite in the NFL. I don't think it will. No. Um, no. And uh, I think, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, this has been a weird year though, because, um, CJ Stroud struggled early. DJU struggled all year. Um, so Bryce young took a while. So even like the guys that aren't coming out this year, like just in general quarterback play felt a little blah. Like that's why we didn't know who was going to win the Heisman for a long time until the very end of the season. You know, it's just like, there wasn't that elite quarterback play. And, um, and I think that, I think that's totally fair, but to your point as well, I don't think any of these guys are bad. I don't just don't see them as like franchise changing quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, it's still January. So these guys are going to be talked up so much that by the end of it, we're all going to be assuming that they're all going to be like all six of them, like are going to be top 15 picks or whatever. That's not going to happen, but uh, you know, people are going to look at these players and talk them up and convince themselves that they're elite but I just don't think that that's the case. So I'm not yeah, I'm too. not scrambling to get an early first to reach for a quarterback 
in yeah. my rookie drafts this year. That's just not a thing. And speaking of rookie drafts, I've had several other questions again, especially since Matt Wispay came on the show and just trashed the 22 class again. And I've seen a lot more positive sentiment as, as it pertains to the 22 class uh, on Twitter and message boards here and there just talking about, um, well, hey, this, this class is actually pretty deep at wide receiver, and it is a wide receiver, and that's it. Um, like tight end, like I like Trey McBride, uh, but he's he's kind of a weak tight end one for most classes. Uh, I like uh, Brees Hall. I like Isaiah Spiller. I like, uh, you know, maybe Kenneth Walker and, and Rashad White. You know, there are some players like you like Zach Charbonnet, uh, but there aren't the running backs that we, we get, we're used to seeing. Yeah, there's uh, no Jonathan really Taylor. No, there's no Jonathan Taylor behind door two. You know, no, no, no. It's <laughs> yeah. that's just, and that's and that speaks to the other question I was getting, and is how many rookie running backs will make an immediate impact in 2022? Uh, like both of those questions, like we really just uh, like the depth questions in in 2022, and, and like how many rookie players can I expect to make an impact? We we really don't know, you know, at this point, because like, is there going to be a Michael, Michael Carter situation where he all of a sudden? Is in like on a dumpster fire offense, but he's like the best player by default because everyone else is Tevin Coleman uh, <laughs> or something like right. that. Um, and that might happen, but I don't think that there's going to be th- more than three or four guys that even work into a 1B or 1A role uh, from this class for running back. Like that's just not yeah. probably in the cards. Like I like these players, but I don't think there's a single running back that is elite in the whole stinking class. And that's a bummer because, like, I don't think that there's going to be a first round running back in this group. I, I think the first running back will probably go because somebody will get antsy and get reachy around pick forty, you know, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And that's okay. Like, there are really good top fifty plus picks uh, that pan out, especially in, the, in today's day and age, where when teams are realizing, oh yeah, we don't have to invest the capital in that position as much. But I, I don't know. Like, where are you with the running backs in this class? Oh, I agree. I think I am probably higher on Breeze Hall than than you or or Matt. Uh, I, I like him quite a bit. Not so much what he put up. I mean, he put up great numbers this year. I think last year maybe it had more of an impact because Iowa State was playing yeah. well as, as well, um, mm-hmm. and their offensive line was was mauling. And he just took over game. He, he took over games and and brought them a lot of success um, from a wins and loss perspective. Uh, and we didn't see that this year. So I think maybe some of the shine rubbed off him, but he put together a really good year. Again, I'm a big Breeze Hall fan. And I think if he does wind up in the right spot, no, we're not getting a Jonathan Taylor type situation, but I think it could still be uh, very valuable for fantasy. Um, if he ends up at a place like maybe um, a, a running back, a needy place like Atlanta or something like that. Um, yeah. I could see him having a lot of success Um just because he would be the most talented person there. And I assume he will be the first running back taken. So, so Brees Hall is the one guy. Um, so how many rookie running backs will make an immediate impact? The only person I would feel comfortable um, with in that, uh, with that question is Brees Hall, because I think yeah, the team that picks him because he'll be the first guy taken is probably in need of a running back. Yep. Completely agree. I think that uh, Brees Hall would be the safest bet. I like Isaiah Spiller. Uh, people are putting Kenneth Walker, uh, Kenneth Walker as running back one. That's a little bit much considering he's right. zero as a receiver. But um, you know he's really good and he's really strong and he's got some vision and he's got enough burst to get to the, get to the edge and he makes made some crazy plays this year. Uh, so he's, he's going to be Jordan Howard. I mean, 
I don't know. Yeah, Maybe but that's with better capital, hopefully. I think Howard actually yeah. missed out on, on early capital. But, yeah, he, he can do that home run threat thing, you know. But, yeah, I, I, he's he's weak for a typical running back three, if, if that is your running back three. Uh, I really like Rashad White, but you guys don't. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I, I, my, me not liking him is actually just me not liking myself for picking the guy who now plays linebacker. <laughs> yeah, Deontay Tranum. Yeah, yeah. The it's, it's, it's not that I don't like him. I don't like myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, my therapist you know, I, and I talk about that a lot, though. So, <laughs> I will say that you know, I, you know, every single year I've become known as the rookie poll mock guy. Yeah, uh, because every single year I, I do like the. The official this year's draft rookie poll mock series of like the top 24 picks. And uh, last year, I think I got 12,000 votes on that poll uh, set of polls this year. It'll probably be even more. It's been going up every single year. It's great because we get great sample sizes uh, of of feedback on public consensus on all the top players. Uh, But rather than jumping in and just doing that uh, blind this year, um, I felt like because there's a lot of disagreement among the top quarterbacks and even tough running backs and top wide receivers, like who should even be eligible for these first like Twitter polls, because there's only four options that you can put on a Twitter poll. So I, right. I wanted to kind of get a guide for who the consensus was at, at top players at each position. And it looks like, uh, I mean, maybe they, people have just been listening to this podcast, but Matt Corral ran away with the quarterback one. Like he right. took down like 54%. Like, and, and this is, we're talking about like all these polls had like 500 plus votes. And he took back, he took down 54% of the votes. Kenny Pickett was second with 22.7% of the vote. And Sam and that Howell surprised me, honestly. Really? Like that big of a gap? No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's surprising that Kenny Pickett uh, beat out Sam Howell. Yeah, I think people are just really coming around on the hype with, with Kenny, Kenny Pickett just because like he put up over 40 touchdowns, set some pit records. And, um, you know, he the way that he plays is kind of reminiscent of like Justin Herbert a little bit. And so... And and even maybe Joe Burrow, like how that that late career, you know, resurgence for his career, like it, people that's fresh on the mind. And so mm-hmm. because those two hot names uh, are what everybody wants in the NFL right now, uh, I think he's just coming around, and people are going to probably overvalue him, and he's probably going to be the quarterback two taken, maybe even the quarterback one taken when it's all said and done, uh, just because of uh, some recent comps honestly like that's like that's that's mm-hmm. probably what, yeah. what it's going to come down to but your boy and our really mine too i mean like he's been our running back you and i are running back one for a while Brees hall knocked it out of the park for the running back one vote took down 49 percent of the vote isaiah spiller was second with 32 percent third is kenneth walker with 17.7 percent if you want to ha- find all these results you can find them on my twitter feed i did these uh polls on december 28th by the way uh, wide receiver one was surprising, though, at least uh, in terms of how badly he he won the the consensus wide receiver one vote. Like 685 people voted, and he he took down almost 60 percent of the vote. Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas, for the consensus wide receiver one. Yeah, and then I already said at the top of the show, like Garrett Wilson's mine. So uh, 685, what well, my one vote obviously was not significant enough not to enough. make a chance. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I selected Garrett Wilson. Uh, and then I refused to vote on any more wide receiver uh, polls that you put out because I was so angry. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, these hey, people don't, these people. Hey, Garrett Wilson did win in a landslide the wide receiver two vote, though. Right. Like okay. Once Burks was off the board, 
then Wilson took down 61% of the vote uh, in the two slot. So it yeah. seems like there's a very clear, at least by consensus right now, wide receiver one and wide receiver two, Trelon Burks and Garrett Wilson. Um, but after that, it gets kind of confusing. But at tight end, I found it very interesting. The Jalen uh, Weidermeyer, Texas A&M, and Trey McBride, uh, Colorado, Colorado State. Uh, McBride is my tight end one. Weidermeyer was just kind of riding hype that he had for a couple seasons already, being an SEC tight end and being productive. But he took down 42.9% and won the tight end one vote, but he only won by 1% over yeah. McBride. Like, and yeah. likely, it was Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler were the other two names on the board. And uh, they got very little votes. Uh, right. So, and they should, and they shouldn't have. Like, you, yeah, it this, uh, this should have been a highly, you know, a, a two, a two horse race, two, as they yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, I won't say a two race horse, but I don't think that's right <laughs> <Yeah>. at all. <laughs> no. Um, I voted McBride on this one. Um, but I wasn't surprised to see Weidermeyer. He ha- does have that that name recognition, and he's he's just he's on TV more and he's scored mm-hmm. um he's he's scored some very impressive touchdowns. He's a he's a great red zone threat. Uh but not not as I mean especially not this season but the year before when they had competent quarterback play. Um yeah. So, yeah, I I wasn't surprised to see him take this one down. I mean take yeah. it down. He got one 1.1% more than Trey McBride. So, yeah. uh but, but and McBride he, was winning for like down. the majority of the poll. But then when I did the tidy tight end two de- debate uh, that poll, Trey McBride took down 71% of the votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. So there is a clear drop off. I think when I do the, the, the rookie poll series, I think the only two tight ends that I'll introduce ever in that poll uh, will be near the end of round two. Uh, and then there'll be Trey McBride and, and Jalen Weidemeyer probably. It was just because it was a clear landslide. But the wide yeah. receiver depth, I didn't even go as far as I could. I just wanted to kind of see where people were on like the top seven-ish mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in this crew. Uh, but like it was clearly Traylon Burks, clearly Garrett Wilson. And then once we got down to the wide receiver uh, three debate, it was a little bit closer, but not really. I mean, Drake London still won kind of in a landslide. Jamison Williams. I was, so, I was surprised that Jamison Williams didn't. I actually would pick uh, Drake London ahead of him too. But uh, just with what Jamison has done this year, I just thought people would be all about it. Yeah. And it seems like consensus is still not quite caught up. Uh, on where Jameson Williams is probably going to be drafted. Like he's probably going to be drafted top 10, top 15. Um, and so, you know, right now, maybe maybe analytics Twitter was voting on this some too because his production yeah. profile won't be good until this season. Um, right. But yeah, Drake London was in the, the wide receiver three spot. Uh, and then uh, four was clearly Jameson Williams. And then after that, it seems like Chris Olave I was slotted in around five and then six and seven were probably Jahan Dotson or David Bell um, based on the the voting that uh, I I did there. But I found it really intriguing because, and that's probably where the the first tier ends for wide receivers for me, but there was just so much agreement uh, and and big tier breaks among the top wide receivers that that confused me a little bit. Yeah, um, but it but definitely again seems that there's a very clear top three at running back too because it was Brees Hall by a mile and then it was Isaiah Spiller by quite a bit. Like I think he took down 67 percent of the votes for running back two, and then Kenneth Walker ran away with the running back three, like even more so. Like I mean, Rashad White, Kyron Williams, Zach Charbonnet all got single digit percentage 
points yeah, as, as a vote. Pretty surprising. When facing off against Kenneth Walker for running back three. Like there was just like, holy cow, there's a really hard yeah. tier break. And so uh, m- most classes, I feel like there's there's at least more of a conversation when, when yeah. we, we get down to running back three, but there's just not that. And I think that speaks to the perceived depth of that position. Absolutely. And I think I think Kyron Williams will get a bit more um, love throughout the offseason here. Um, I think he it, it might one of the he might I don't, I don't know though it's these guys with the, the, the name recognition Kenneth Walker like was in the Heisman race you know yeah. like people just know uh, him. the fact that the fact that he can't they're not can't catch the fact that we don't know what he can do in the passing game uh, hasn't yeah. scared people off because they just remember seeing him on Sports Center or whatever yeah. um, exactly yeah yeah oh that's but good anyway, stuff man I'm excited for that I'm excited to uh, to vote in that uh, pretty yeah. soon here when, when yeah. are you when are you doing that. I'll do the full uh, length, um, kind of like rookie official 2022 rookie poll mock uh, after the declaration deadline, which is uh, January 15th. Um, and of course, we'll talk about it here, I'm sure, too. I'm sure we will. But uh, you can find I always use the hashtag, uh, whatever draft it is, and then rookie poll mock if you want to follow along. If you want to look up older drafts like 2021 rookie poll mock, like hashtag 2020, yeah. 2019, 2018. I don't think I used the right hashtag uh for 2017s or 2016 <laughs> so I, I was doing it even back then yeah uh, i think i've done this six seven seven this would be the seventh year now i think awesome. uh, and so yeah it's just it's funny because the the crowd the wisdom of the crowd seems to has been improving really every single oh, year sure. predicting real yeah. draft capital just because there's more information than ever but uh well it'll be interesting to see where we are in, in terms of accuracy and, and real capital and all that conversation uh, as a group consensus this year yeah, but that's all sure. the time we have on on this show on the national championship, not well, national championship special plus some. I guess we could. Yeah, uh, that's extra. not that's not a very good. Yeah, extra <laughs> and extra. That's yeah. We'll work out the name. We'll figure it out. But uh, please do leave uh, leave a rate and review, or you can put your question in your review if you make it a five star one. That would be helpful wherever you listen. Uh, we'll be covering tons of NFL and college football goodness in the off season. Lots of NFL draft talk uh, for the twenty twenty two class coming up but we'll we'll take a look even further into the future with 2023 2024 2025 why not uh yeah why why not you know but uh, (laughs) again you can find me on twitter at ff underscore travis m you can find stay fun at stay fun lako l-a-k-o on twitter as well but uh, you guys stay um safe stay happy and enjoy the national championship and uh, enjoy the new year and we'll see you guys next time on the College Again podcast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.